Hello and welcome to another edition of Afternoon Ask Anything. And I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And I'm here doing this live show amid all kinds of misery. And I'm fully expecting this to be a joyful, a joyful session of AAA. Uh, if you want to participate, all you have to do is go into the comments section on Facebook or YouTube. If you're seeing this on Twitter, you have to hit that little Periscope icon at the bottom right, and that'll take you to a different platform that's either not or it's either called or not called Periscope still anymore. I think they got bought out or something. So on that note, DL says, good afternoon, DK. Good afternoon to you, DL. Mr. Eric says, hey. Another Eric says, can we just not do Pirates questions? Hey, you know, it's it's uh, it's your show here. Harley says, Harley says uh, the the Reds are going back to back and back to back and back to back, and yeah, that is kind of what they're. That is kind of what's happening here. Um, it's just a a lot of a lot of badness here over the last twenty four to thirty six hours. Brett says, do you think these next few years will be the dark ages of Pittsburgh sports? No. I mean, it's been a rough couple of days, you know. Uh, I'd like to think of myself as a realist. I don't sit around and, you know, think about hopeful scenarios, okay? But if I were to go through all three teams here, you know, the Steelers still have an ace defense. They have an offense that's at least loaded at wide receiver, and they still have chances to address it. I think the Steelers will be competitive in 2021. I don't think they'll be what they were this past season, uh, for better and worse. Um, the Penguins are they're a cup contender. You know, they have one of the best records in the entire NHL right now. And the Pirates are doing exactly what they should be doing. This doesn't change. I've said all along that this season was going to be really, really rough. I put it at the very beginning of my first sentence after they won in Chicago. That's what I wrote from the Wrigley Field press box, that this was going to be rough. And it is, and it is. But there's that, that said, there's still stuff that's happening with the Pirates right now that's, uh, that, that's definitely, definitely a concern. Denny Colomarino asks, what's harder, my slap shot or the exit velocity of most bucko balls out in play? Denny, as someone who assisted on one of your recent goals that was scored from nearly halfway across the rink, I'm going to go with your slap shot, my man. Richard Meyer says, can we please get 10 more minutes of clarifying the difference between media and radio? No, I think we're going to leave that one to yesterday. I have a hard time believing that uh, that became a real thing here yesterday. Death or Glory, which I hope is based on the Clash song of the same name, asks, remember when the Pirates lost 20 to nothing at home to Milwaukee 10 years ago? Will this be, will that be this year's feeling? Um. I, I covered that twenty to nothing game. It was at PNC Park. Uh, I'll never forget it. And no, I, I don't think it'll be like that this year. I do think that you, the Pirates uh, played very poorly in Cincinnati. I also think the Reds are out of their minds right now. 
with the way they're swinging the bats. I do think that both things are possible. Uh, you're going to see some equilibrium here before long. That'll look a lot more like what the Pirates series in Chicago was. Beckett asks, are you having a nice afternoon? You know, I wasn't until that question. That's really cool. I, I love that there's there's just normal out there as well. Brett asks, how bad are the Pirates? I mean, you're looking at it, man. You're looking at it. I mean, it's a, that's a one-in-five team coming home for the home opener. Um, the results don't lie in this case. Uh, you're seeing some players, some important players, underperforming. That bothers me a lot. You're seeing some older players who just aren't any good that doesn't bother me at all. I don't care that Trevor Cahill gave up a million runs. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't care all that much that Chad Cool got smacked around today. Um, these aren't part of the future. Yeah, do you want them to be good? Do you want them to be great even? Sure, because that gives Ben Charrington more trade options, trade possibilities. Think about that. Chad Cool at his age, if he were to just figure it out, and he's got that 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball, the other off-speed material he has, the competitive spirit, and he were to channel that into becoming a competent starting pitcher instead of somebody who just blows up at the first sign of adversity like he's always done and like he did again today, then you have actual value that you can parlay to benefit the organization. As it is, you don't have those things. And that's, that's, that's a thing. You know, that's worrisome. Uh, Mendy asks, what do you think of Nathan Legere and Samuel Poulin? I presume you're asking from the standpoint of whether or not they're ready to help the Penguins. They are not. Uh, Legere is not even in the discussion. Uh, Poulin at least was. Poulin was in training camp. Poulin was there. He was given, at least verbally, a chance. Um, he showed that he was not ready. Uh, he looked lost, tense, nervous. Uh, buzzing around for no reason, uh, that's going to take time. That's going to take time, and it's going to take an AHL stint. Not this year, obviously. Well, maybe later on. Paul asks, hi, DK, did I witness a miracle last night, or did the Buccos really get some production out of right field? Look, Phillip Evans is hitting, but again, I, I get that you have multiple years of control with Phillip Evans, but that's that's not it. That's not it. I, I need to see Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman hitting. I need to see Cole Tucker being improved where he is uh, down in Bradenton. I need to see Jared Oliva improving. He's down there with Tucker. Both of them were held out of satellite camp so that they could work with specialists just on their hitting. Well, that's what you need to see. And if there's a broader concern to all this, it's that the mandate when this manager, Derek Shelton, and these coaches under him were brought in, except for Rick Eckstein, who was kept at the player's behest, when they were brought in, it was with a single mandate, make guys better. However they were before, make them better. And we aren't seeing that. We didn't see it in 2020, and we haven't seen it in the very, very early part of 2021. And no as I said all through spring training, Bradenton does not count. Certainly not for offense. Everybody got mad at me when I was saying that, you know, like I'm trying to be a, a buzzkill or something. 
Bradenton offense hasn't mattered since 1969, the year the Pirates moved there because of the weather conditions primarily. Daniel asks, how hard is it going to be to take Jared McCann off the first power play line? Hey, you know what, Daniel? I, I hope that it at least crosses their mind that it's hard to do that. There are different things that would hurt McCann's case for staying on the first unit, not least of which is that you've just got all these lefties out there. If it's Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, uh, you want to make sure that you've got some kind of balance. Uh, I'm all in favor of Kasperi Kapanen being on the first unit. But more than anything, I'm in favor of the first unit scoring goals, and that's what they've done. So you want that coaches to at least be thinking about that. You know, <sighs> Matt asks, can Brian Hayes says he doesn't want to be the face of the franchise and declined a contract extension. Is this right? Uh, I mean, he didn't. Uh, is that where we're headed today? They're playing terrible baseball. Brian Hayes has downplayed any aspect of being built up or hyped. That's what happened. Uh, he's been asked multiple times about being a face of the franchise or whatever else, and every time he just stands back and respectfully says, you know, I'm just here to play baseball. That's not, I don't want to be the face of the franchise. Uh, and it's also the, the declining of a contract extension. His rights belong to the Pirates unconditionally for six years. There's a lot of people that don't understand how baseball contracts or, or rosters work. <laughs> Probably most of the public, I would venture to say, actually. Um, Hayes is going to be with the Pirates if they want him to be for six more years. That's a really, really long time. What they offered was something that was guaranteed money that would buy out the first couple of years of free agency. So you're talking about eight years. Those are not contracts that are common. It was broached. Both sides looked at it and went, eh, we'll look at it again at some point. That's it. That's it. Not everything has to be some kind of, you know, narrative drama. D. Klein asks, are you optimistic that the Penguins can get their defensive game back? They look lost out there. Oh, why wouldn't I be? I mean, you've seen this team play hockey the better part of the year. You've seen what they did in the 16 games before these past two. You know they're capable of it. You don't have to ask me that. You know that. You know, I mean, this is... This isn't like they just got lobotomized here the last couple of games. All that happened is, I think, they didn't get great goaltending. They'd been used to getting great goaltending, and when a couple of goals went in, it threw them out of whack a little bit. Very much reminds me of early in the season in that regard. When the Penguins have been defending well, it's been all three facets. It's been goaltending, the defensemen, and the forwards. All three. But when the goaltending's gone out early, there's a bad goal early on by the goaltending, it's thrown everything out. So this next game, and you got to figure Casey DeSmith will start tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it would be pretty significant, you would think, for them to come away with, uh, with a good result. Sean Price asks, with the Pirates play the last few days, do you see – the ownership slash management already thinking about moving players to save payroll with the lack of the amount of people that will be coming to the ballpark. 
No. No. Do you hear the sighs in my voice when these things come up? I don't mean them to be that way. I, I, I get a lot of these, and the amount of misinformation that's out there about this stuff, or misperceptions is probably the better way to put it. Nothing. Nothing, Sean, about the 2021 season will affect anything as it relates to the bigger picture. This general manager has committed, and you've seen it with your own eyes, to building up the minor league system with high ceiling type prospects. That's the goal right now. That is the goal. That doesn't change based on anything that you see in 2021, whether it's over 100 games or the six games that have been played so far. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else to this. The ownership doesn't even really get involved in this stuff. You're talking about Bob Nutting. You don't have to call him ownership. It's Bob Nutting. He doesn't even get involved in this stuff. There's also no need to save payroll. They're already at like 48. I'm sure they'd be thrilled to move Gregory Polanco off the books in a post-pandemic year. Uh, every team, all 30 teams would be thrilled to have a Gregory Polanco $11 million contract off of their books. Even the Dodgers would be happy on that day. But it's not a matter of, well, it doesn't look like we're going to make it this year, fellas. Let's whack payroll some more. It's just, no. I'm glad you asked, though. I'm not taking it on you. I'm glad you asked because at least it gives me a chance to, you know, to say something here. No, thank you, Sean. Sean says, thanks for the answer, DK. Thank you for asking it. That That's how this works. You know, not that I'm always right, but I have some pretty – extensive background in this specific area, meaning business, uh, the business of baseball. Eric says, do you think Teddy Bluger plays tomorrow? Uh, I do and I don't. I, I think it would be good for the Penguins to have him back, and I do think that he looked healthy, uh, at least as healthy as you'd want him to be. On Monday at the practice that I covered in Cranberry, but there's a big, big, big difference between practices and games. And the one reason that I hesitate when I say this about Teddy is that there's another game the very next night in Newark. And I think if you commit to playing him one night, you're kind of committing to playing him the next night. And I don't know that you like to bring people back off of a long-term injury with back-to-back -back games. So I could see it. I could see a scenario where they tell Teddy to take both of these games off and be ready for that last one in Newark since he made the trip, which he did, and he is up there with the team, by the way. Paul says the Pirates need angels in the outfield or the cutout of the owner in Major League or having the manager call the team as lollygag or something that lights a fire or changes the mojo slash luck of the team. Um, instead of getting into that, I'll, I'll throw this out, Paul. What we've seen over these first six games, and, and obviously especially the three in Cincinnati, is not the norm. It's not normal. This isn't going to happen all year long. Um, like I said, two things happen here. One, they've really underperformed, and two, the Reds are out of their bleeping minds at the moment. I mean, everything they hit is leaving the yard. Um, and they have bats, and they have the small ballpark, and they have the bats that are catered to the small ballpark. I'm not making excuses here. I'm trying to lay out why these games have been the way they are when the Pirates were actually pretty competitive for the most part 
against teams that were even better than them in the early innings where you can actually measure performance of spring training games. So they're not this level of disaster. They're just not. I know nobody's going to want to hear that right now because everybody's just going to want to pile on and um, whatever else here. Greg, Greg Parshall, haven't heard from you in a while, Greg. Hello there. Uh, asks, is KY your pick for the other booth spot? Seems to have good chemistry with Brownie. Greg, I'll take your word for it. I, I never, ever, ever have the audio up on Pirates broadcasts. Very rarely have it up on any broadcasts. I'm used to watching games in press boxes. So when I'm not on a trip, which I'm not on this portion of the Pirates trip and I'm not on this portion of the Penguins trip, um, I like to watch sports on TV with the sound all the way down. I just do because it's the closer simulation for me um, of the way I'm, I'm generally accompanied or accustomed to watching. Matt, I'm sorry, Sherrod here asks, DK named one prospect pitcher and one prospect position player that you would be excited to see with the Pirates in 2021. Ooh, that's good. Well, Instead of just taking their best prospect pitcher and best prospect position player, which would be kind of easy because those are in order Quinn Priester as the pitcher and Nick Gonzalez as the position player, neither of those guys is going to be anywhere near the major leagues in 2021. So limiting it to just 2021, I really, really want Miguel Yahure up here. Um, he has to be able to command his fastball, but he has the best off-speed stuff at any level of the system, including the majors. Uh, he can get guys out in the major leagues right now. He is an upgrade over old guy Trevor Cahill right now. But I'll defend the Pirates' decision to keep him down until he gets fastball command uh, going. Best prospect – or the prospect position player I'd most, most want to see would be Travis Swaggerty because I want to see somebody, anybody in the outfield who exhibits hope. You know, and Swaggerty was supposed to be that guy that would at least had an outside chance uh, of making it. Brett says, do you enjoy being home or on team trips? Does it ever get older? Do you like the traveling? I can see it both ways. I, I can see it both ways too, Brett. Um, but as a lifelong journalist, I'm not going to lie. The, the, the dateline is a thing for me. Uh, it always has been. Uh, I take a lot of pride in being at the events that I cover, especially as a columnist, because for anybody who doesn't know what the difference is between columnist and beat writer, columnist is supposed to do opinion. And the kind of opinion that I've always respected the most as a reader has always been that which I felt is most informed and most accountable. And in non-coronavirus times, when the locker rooms are open, I actually... Enjoy might be too strong a word. I respect the process of going into the clubhouse or locker room the day after you've written something that's really critical. Because to me, you should show your face. You should show that you're there. You don't act it up. You don't whatever or anything else, but you're there. If they have an issue, and believe me, people have had issues with me over the years, stuff that I've written, they can at least say, hey, you got a second? step outside somewhere, and we'll talk it out. But there's no substitute in general to answer your question as best I can uh, for being there. You know, even now when we don't have 
that access. Uh, I flew to Wrigley Field for one game for the opener because I felt it was my obligation, my duty to this company uh, to be there for it. David says, hey, DK, why doesn't Derek Shelton run out a more consistent lineup to try to help the regulars stay in a rhythm at the plate? The answer to that is twofold. One is that this really isn't that big a deal, but it becomes a big deal with fans, and I don't know if that's a Pittsburgh thing because I don't really do a whole lot of dealing with baseball fans that are outside of Pittsburgh, but it feels like it is a Pittsburgh thing that goes way back where everybody just thinks that everyone should play all 162. Um, that's not how it works anywhere in baseball anymore. You do see managers that put out more consistent lineups than Shelton. Shelton and baseball ops have a roadmap that covers, believe it or not, months, not all 162, but months of the season where they feel they can get maximum performance out of guys if they have this day off, that day off. Uh, and every player is different depending on what it is that they show you. So none of it is just winging it. None of it is just that he wakes up that day and says, man, uh, Kevin Newman really could use a blow today. It's not that. It's really – I've asked Shelton questions in the middle of a spring training, whether it was last year or this year, and he'll be able to answer about something in like May. And you're like, wait, what? But that's that's how that works. Randy asks if I miss Clint Hurdle. I do. I do. He's a good person. I, I miss a lot of the good people who end up getting traded, fired, released, whatever it is. Uh, I can rattle off a bunch of names right now of, of people that I miss that are all, you know, already that haven't been gone for very long. You know, uh, Vince Williams from the Steelers jumps out. I'm going to miss him terribly. I spent a lot of time with that guy. Uh, Josh Bell. Uh, is someone I got to know on and off the field uh, in his time here and going all the way back to when he was drafted as, as a 19-year-old out of Texas high school. Really got to know him. Uh, he's he's going to be missed. Um, there's not a – you know, there are, there are Penguins from the recent past, but especially from their recent championship teams, like Ian Cole, like Marc-Andre Fleury, like Matt Murray, uh, that are already missed. You know, guys that were really, really great to have around that were fun to talk to about all kinds of things, um, you know, in, including, you know, including life. Beckett asks, who's the best person that you've interacted with over your career? Person doesn't exactly limit the field, you know, and I think when you're talking about people. Um, the first name that comes to mind is, is, is my friend Tunch Ilkin. You know, uh, he's he's having a time right now. He's he's fighting ALS. He's fighting it hard. He's up every morning, uh, going for long walks. Mount Washington. He has a group of his friends in his deeply religious community uh, that 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 he does that with. He and uh, he's working currently to make sure that his muscles stay engaged, and he's doing that. Uh, at professional facilities, and he's showing some of his progress to his friends. Um, it's something to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Tunch. David asks, what's your favorite Ace Fraley solo? 
don't even have to think about it. Dude, the live version of I Stole Your Love. And if you think I'm wrong, it turns out actually that you're wrong. It is the most dynamic, explosive, melodic few seconds in my mind in the history of rock music. It's not the greatest guitar solo ever. Richie Blackmore has dibs on that with Highway Star. But Ace Fraley's I Stole Your Love, the live version, the live version, not the one on, on Love Gun where they, they use the tambourine. No tambourines in hard rock. <laughs> Dana says, God bless, Tunch. Uh, that gets a great big echo from right here. My friend Tim asks, isn't it about time to start Stephen Wright the knuckleballer every third day? You know what? I'd go for that. At least you would not have home runs like this. He might walk a bunch of guys and but yeah, I I'd I'd get the knuckleballer up here very, very soon. Mendy says, just thinking about the pen's four lines, what they could be if they're healthy, and just gets me so frustrated. Uh, you? Yeah, me. Uh, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, there's, you can pound your fist over it. I know people like to get angry about injuries. And, and I, I wrote a piece for DK Pittsburgh sports today, a short thing, and I got some backlash for it. And I kind of expected that in which I said, because people like to find a villain for this sort of thing, replace the training staff. These guys are always hurt. And then what I did in this piece was I listed every player on the roster who's hurt right now and what actually happened to them and why in each case, without argument, without dispute, there's nothing, any athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach, equipment manager, medical staff, the greatest doctors in the world couldn't have prevented these injuries. None of the ones that were on that list. Sometimes you just get really, really, really unlucky. But getting frustrated over it is a waste of energy. That's something, uh, and I'm not talking about me. I don't matter. I'm talking about it from the Penguin standpoint. Getting frustrated doesn't do anything. It, it doesn't channel itself into uh, something positive. Fahalo asks, is it, in, is it increased pitchers being used time between pitchers? Both. Oh, I see. I missed the first part of the question. Here, I'll, I'll go back up here. In your opinion, what's causing the increased length of baseball games over the years and what can be done? Uh, plain and simple, the answer is, is that the, it's the three outcomes. Nobody's swinging on the first pitch or two. You're taught to go deep in counts. That extends the game. Uh, from there – it becomes more of a cat and mouse game because now you've got people on the base paths because of the emphasis on on base percentage. I don't think it's going to go away. What can you do about it? You can have a pitch clock up there that reduces the average time between pitches from, I don't know, 30, 35 seconds to something along the lines of 18. When you watch ancient footage of baseball, and by ancient, I'm talking about like even the 70s, you will see the pitcher will get the ball back from the catcher kind of dust himself off a little bit, turn around and look right back in and get the sign and throw the ball again. There are actually a couple of guys in modern baseball, current baseball, who do that, and they're just like seen as freaks. Let's see what else we got here. David agrees that I stole your love kills. Again, not an opinion. It was not an opinion for you to agree with, David. All I did was state a fact. It's Ace Fraley's 
finest work. Scrolling up here to see if I might have missed anything here along the way. David asks, could the Pirates actually be worse than any of us thought? I already had low expectations, but this is something else. No, David, they won't be that. They won't be that. That's not me putting a spin on it. This whole week was a buzzsaw uh, on all kinds of levels. A couple of things went wrong after the opener in Chicago, or else they could have left there with a better feeling. And then in Cincinnati, everything just went wrong, and they ran into a team that is just murdering the ball all the way through the lineup. This does happen. The Pirates won't be the only team the Reds do that to. The Reds do have some bats, and they have a ballpark that lends itself to that. Mark Warren asks, does Mitch Keller need more seasoning in AAA? Well, there's no AAA right now. And you're not going to be bouncing him up and down. He's 25 years old. He just turned 25. This isn't a kid. He needs to succeed in the major leagues right now. Mark, think about this too. He has the stuff. Okay, he has the material. And you know what? He has the command. He just opts to not throw strikes. I'm not going to let him get away with going back to the minors. I want him facing major league hitters and putting the ball in there. Nothing else to it. Nothing else to it. Let's see what else we got here. Scrolling up here. Nick says, who do you think the Penguins acquired the deadline? Well, Ron Hextall spoke today with uh, four local outlets, including ours, DK Pittsburgh Sports. He spoke with uh, our Hall of Fame hockey writer, Dave Molinari, and just stated out loud that they want to get themselves a, a, a big, tough forward. You know, who can play? There wouldn't, people hear that sometimes, and they, they're picturing, like, you know, a, a modern-day Jay Caulfield. You don't have to do that. You get yourself a guy who can – who can no offense, Jay Bird, <laughs> but somebody who you know who could fit with the modern game, uh, the speed of the game, and everything else here. Jay Bird worked his tail off to make sure that he could skate, uh, you know, well enough to be at the NHL level. But I'm he'd be the first one to tell you that he wouldn't fit with today's game. There, I get out of that one. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, he made it clear Hextall did that. That's what they want but they're not going to overpay for it. They might not get it. And if they don't get it, he believes in what's already here. Uh, who are the players who are out there that fit that mold? Honestly, you never know that because names that you hear aren't always the ones who end up getting moved. Uh, even the people who are the most obsessive around the clock reporters who are in GM's ears, and it's the only thing they do for a living, meaning they don't cover games or anything else, will tell you that they get surprised uh, as well. Brett asks, not Pittsburgh sports-related, but thoughts on Dusty Baker's quotes on fans taking the Astros' hatred too far. Um, Dusty's a perfect spokesman and a perfect manager for Houston for two reasons. One, Dusty doesn't care what anybody thinks about anything, and he's been that way his whole life. He'll just say it the way he feels it. Two, he wasn't there for the cheating. So he can he can find ways to say we when he actually means they, meaning the Astros that preceded him and everything else. Um, I, I, I'm of the opinion, 
and have been from the beginning that the the Astros deserve everything that they have coming, but I'm sure that there is such a thing uh, also as going too far. We'll take a couple more today. Richard asks my serious question for today. I didn't know you asked a humorous one, Richard. What was the humorous one? Unless you're being facetious right here. My serious question for today is about the NFL draft. Is there another time in the last 20 years that you've seen Steelers fans so tense about what the team must do to be successful in 2021? It's a bit unrealistic to expect that picks after the third round will see much, if any, playing time. Richard, I sense absolutely zero difference between Steelers fans' reactions to this draft and any other draft. I mean, I, I can't state that any more clearly than that. Uh, this is how Steelers fans are. They're passionate. They're into it. Uh, is there some feel of additional urgency attached to running back specifically? Yes, because as people are looking ahead to the 2021 season, it's hard to get hopes up while having basically nothing at running back other than, you know, Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, now Kalen Balazs. This isn't, this isn't the kind of thing that's going to give anybody hope. Fans want hope. That's what fandom is all about. That's something actually I've relayed to my staff here in, in talking about uh, how we connect to readers. We don't sell hope, but at the same time, we want to make sure that uh, readers are aware of whatever components there are to their teams that do present them with hope. And right now, Steelers fans are lacking that. So they're just more than anything, I get the sense here, anxious for this thing to come and to get one of these guys, one of these running backs into the fold, whether that's Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, uh, or anybody, or anybody. So they can at least start visualizing what this offense could look like that doesn't involve the same running backs as they were using last year. Let's see what we got here. Last one today. Josh asks, any chance the Pirates don't go on one of the Vandy pitchers as long as they stay healthy? People are hyping up the shortstop, Jordan Lawler. Not that we need another shortstop prospect. You don't ever draft by need. In baseball, Josh, never, 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 never. The players are too far away. Uh, they can take three, four, five, six years to get there. By that time, your entire – that's half a decade, man. Your entire organization can change, including your minor league system. So even the idea that they have so many shortstop prospects, it doesn't matter in this case. My feeling is that in baseball's grossly imbalanced economics, you have to get starting pitching – elite starting pitching internally because you will never, ever, ever be able to afford it. Not just pay for it, not just don't be a cheapskate nutting, but to actually afford it. When you see Trevor Bauer getting $40 million a year, you will never, ever see that price tag in Pittsburgh because that's just the way the system is. That's not nutting being cheap. That's the system. You'll never have a full rotation of those guys because now you're talking about $200 million for five starting pitchers, guys that take the ball every fifth day. That's a lousy use of your payroll. You have to get these guys from within. You have to get them from the draft. If I'm the Pirates, I'm absolutely not, not abandoning either of the two Vanderbilt pitchers. That said, I'm not ready to commit on either one of those guys 
yet. Fred asks if I can pitch an inning or two. I don't know that I could get the ball 60 feet, six inches at this point, Fred. I, I swear. I swear. Michael says the system is broken. It really is. Brett incorrectly declares that I am the man. This is false, Brett, because I know for a fact, and I've just confirmed this through multiple sources, that you are the man. Eric didn't get the memo that this is over, and he asked if we'll ever see Sid and Gino on the same line full time. No, we won't. <laughs> Oh, wow. Anyway, thanks to everybody for doing this. Um, I appreciate it. We'll do it again tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to do it. Well, I don't know when we're going to do it. We might have to do it a little bit early, and I might have to do it from PNC Park. Why don't we give that a shot? Want to do that? Let's do that. Uh, the game starts at 135, so we'll have to go a little bit earlier than usual. Um, I'll set things up over there in the press box, and, uh, and you have to keep it clean because we have to be civil in the press box up there. There are rules. Thanks for watching this.